wanted to say a big thank you to everyone that made it out to our one-year anniversary celebration last weekend. A big thank you to everyone that helped pull it off. Yeah. All right. We didn't, hey, we didn't have applause at first service after that. So great job leaning into that. And so, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great week, a great Sunday. A lot of hot dogs, a lot of hamburgers, a lot of people, a lot of conversations out there in our outdoor eatery. Uh, we're really blessed by that. But um, thank you guys. It was so Amazing uh, to see, to take some time to reflect and remember everything that the Lord has done. And if you did miss last week, you can catch that message online. We just spent a little bit of time reflecting and shared some testimonies. And if you did not pick up a memorial stone, I do believe we still have uh, some left out in the lobby. Uh, limited quantity, first come, first serve a basis there. But uh, all that to say... Uh, just so thankful for each and every person and everything that they've done since we planted on 9-18-22. And uh, we are so excited about everything that the Lord has done through his church up to this point. But we are equally as excited as far as everything that he's going to do. The, the best is truly yet to come. And so if you remember from a couple weeks ago, we have been in the book of Joshua. And uh, that last message, we spent a little bit of time transitioning. Transitioning in the book of Joshua from claiming and conquering the land to now dividing up the land. And this takes a, a big portion of the book of Joshua as they spend uh, a great deal of time and um, in depth as far as uh, these lands, who they were given to, the boundaries of the land, and the names of the cities within this entire land of uh, Canaan, the promised land. And so, so, and then our last message, we spent some time walking uh, through these two and a half tribes of uh, the, of Reuben, of Gad, and uh, Manasseh, or um, Manasseh, the, the Hebrew pronunciation. And we talked about the fact that they settled over here on the east side of the Jordan River. And so the half-tribe of Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben. And so now we talked about the fact that the promised land was actually over here on the west side of the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, and the Dead Sea. And so this turned out to be not a good decision as far as these two and a half tribes. And um, this was because they were actually the first to uh, adopt the culture, the pagan culture of the surrounding, um, the neighboring lands. And they were also the first to be taken into captivity as well. They were um, warned not to do this, but the, instead they kind of took this uh, cheap substitute for the promised land, settling on the east side of the Jordan River. And, and what we did is we contrasted this with the Levites. And so if we remember the Levites, they actually did not receive a land allotment, but instead they received the Lord. So they did not receive the land of the Lord, but they received the Lord of the land. And they were the designated Levitical priests that were dispersed all throughout the promised land. And so, so we took this a step further and just realized that uh, we need to be more like the Levites instead of these individuals, these borderland Christians that settled on the east side of the Jordan River. Because ultimately, we have to look at the greatest possession, the greatest inheritance that we have. And it's not a worldly possession. It is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And so stepping into the Levites, the aspect that they received the Lord of the land, not the land of the Lord. And this is far more better Receiving God, receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is far better than anything else that we will ever encounter in this world. And so today we're going to be landing in Joshua chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and 
open up, and we could see those first few verse, verses, the attention is drawn towards the land allotments, these two and a half tribes from chapter 13. And then in verse 2, we see this. Their inheritance was by lot, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and one half tribes. And now, we may have thought with all of this tribal allotment, with all of this land being dispersed, how is it that they came about dispersing this land? And if we were to look to Numbers 26.53, we could see that the larger the tribe, the larger the land allotment. And so that was one way as far as how the land was distributed. But what does it mean when it says it was distributed and dispersed by lot? And so this would be by chance. This would be the roll of the dice, essentially. Back then it was stones or, or sticks or, or these, in, uh, these things called urim and thummim. And these were these colored stones that would either be a yes or a, a no, these special gemstones that they would use. And they would take this... Um, decision-making process by chance, and they would actually say that this is what the Lord has said, okay? And so they basically said, we're going to roll the dice. The modern-day equivalent would be rock, paper, scissors, rolling the dice, or flipping a coin as far as what we're to do in a situation. But we know that in the New Testament that we're not told to leave things up to chance because we have the Holy Word of God. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Helper. We have, uh, we have uh, prayer as well, and that's how we really land at a decision. And so when you see this, that they were dispersed and distributed by lot, that is kind of what it's referring to. But before we jump into these tribal allotments on the west bank of the Jordan River, what we see now is a very polarizing, um, powerful figure here in God's word. And this is a man by the name of Caleb. And we don't have a thorough narrative leading up to this point of Caleb. We've we got some bits and pieces, but here this is the, the longest um, discourse that we have in regards to this figure. The central figure of the book of Joshua is obviously Joshua, with whom the book is named. But we have to remember that Caleb has been here all the while. He has been the trusted confidant of Joshua. He has been a faithful servant of the Lord all the while. And so I think you will find him uh, to be a very encouraging figure, a very polarizing figure. He didn't really care what uh, the majority had to say. He didn't really mind being that uh, individual that, you know, just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. He, I'm not going to go by what everyone's saying, what everyone's doing. I'm going to wholly follow after the Lord. And this is what we see all throughout Caleb's life. And, and it's a very encouraging figure here, someone who has been somewhat behind the scenes until now. So if you have your, your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and open up. And we're going to be in verses 6 through 15 today in chapter 14. And so this is a, a little bit more in depth on this person of Caleb, the lion's share of today's message. It says this, then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Yephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, meaning they discouraged them. Yet I, I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke of on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became this inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriat Erba. Erba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we are so thankful for this beautiful miracle that you have provided in Redeemer Church. God, just being able to spend some time just reflecting and looking at everything that you have done. May you receive all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, Lord. And God, as we talked about last week, the passionate proclamation of the word of God being one of our pillars, Lord, we pray that that be rung true today, Lord, as we look to your word, as we look to this individual named Caleb, God, who was passionate, who wholly followed after you, Lord. God, may we glean so much from him, from his boldness that was found, through him trusting in the promise that you gave him some 45 years later. God, may we understand and know that you are overall all things are working out according to your divine and sovereign will and purposes and, and plans. And so, God, we pray, whatever you have for us, well, whether it means climbing mountains and going after giants, or, or, Lord, maybe it just means faithfully being wholly dependent and wholly following you today, Lord. Allow your will to be done. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. So before we jump into this charge or request to Joshua that Caleb gives him, we do need to spend a little bit of time giving a little bit of a backstory. And who was this uh, person, Caleb? And again, we don't have any long-standing narratives leading up to this point, but we see a couple of times that uh, Caleb definitely was a big part of this whole story about the Israelites departing Egypt and coming into the promised land and claiming and conquering that. And so if we remember, Caleb was one of the 12 spies that were sent by Moses into Canaan to spy out the land to make sure that it was okay to be overtaken. And then he was one of two spies, he and Joshua, that actually encouraged the Israelites to go in there and take the land. While the other ten spies, they were discouraging and they managed to sway the people, the majority of the people, the majority of the spies swayed the majority of the people to say, hey, we can't go in there. There are giants in the land. And these spies said, we would be like 
grasshoppers if we were to go in there and try to conquer them. But Caleb, he didn't say this. Him and Joshua basically said, hey, we know this is what the Lord has told us to do. So we're going to go into that land. But as we know, this isn't what happened. The minority report did not prevail. And they actually said they would not go into the land. And because of that, judgment came upon them. And they wandered into the wilderness for 40 years. But Caleb, Caleb said this in Numbers 13.30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And so what we could see here from Caleb, he was tenacious. He he was that individual that would never back down from a fight. In fact, the origin of his name in Hebrew means dog. So he was kind of like a bulldog. He was fearless. He was bold. He was impetuous. He was the type of guy that if you ever ran into some dudes from the wrong side of the tracks, you definitely want him on your side. This is who Caleb was. And also, if we remember, he and Joshua were the only individuals over the age of 20 that were allowed to enter into the promised land. So right now, they're kind of the old dudes of the camp. And so we could see that he was 40 when he was sent out by Moses to spy the land. And then based on how you time stamp it, the Israelites either spent 38 or 40 years in the wilderness. And that would mean five or seven years claiming and conquering the land. But he was alongside Joshua, leading with him all the while. So Caleb, the son of Yefune the Kinezite, which were a group of proselytes, a proselyte means it's a group of people or an individual that were absorbed into the Jewish faith, that they came to be Jews by association, not by birth. And so this is who Caleb was. But now we see that he is 85 years old. 85 years old. And he's got some words to say to Joshua. And he doesn't hold back here. He basically says, Joshua, I've been with you And I want you now to hear me out. And this is what he says, and we'll just reread it. And Caleb, the son of Yephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I, I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land in which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Why? Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And I think there's a a point that's trying to be made here. And that's point number one. Caleb's boldness was founded in his wholehearted devotion to God. Caleb's boldness was founded in his wholehearted devotion to the Lord. You see, Caleb's boldness was a little bit different. It wasn't this brash, impulsive recklessness that sometimes you see in biblical times or even with individuals that we know. He wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. He he wasn't saying and speaking to Joshua in this braggadocious or threatening way, way saying, Josh, if you don't give me what, you, what I want, there's going to be some retaliation. This isn't what we see from Caleb. This isn't the type of boldness that we're talking about here. Instead, he's saying this, Joshua, my friend, 
I have been a faithful, obedient servant in the Lord, you and me, all this while. And now what I want from you is I want you to give me this one last ride, this one last challenge. He's not even talking about his inheritance in of itself. But what he's really leaning into here, he's saying, give me this one last opportunity that I might go climb that mountain. One last ride that I could see the glory of God go before me. I could see the glory of God working through me. That's what he's asking. But again, where did this boldness come from? It was rooted in his wholehearted devotion to God. That we see him referring to himself in this way or someone else referring to him as far as wholly following after God six times in Scripture, three times here in the book of Joshua, two times in the book of Numbers, one time in the book of Deuteronomy. In all of these instances, he has wholly followed the Lord. His boldness, his 85 years of strength came from his unwavering reliance on God. Again, isn't this the overarching theme that we've been landing time and time again throughout the book of Joshua. That's what we named our sermon series, Be Strong in the Lord. Time and time again, we see this repetition of this affirmation that we are to rely and be dependent on the Lord God Almighty. This is where we receive proper and correct mindsets behaviors which lead to proper and correct actions, saying, Lord, it is your battle to fight. I will humbly submit unto you. Your power, your strength is to be leading the way, not my own. Again, the power, the boldness that we receive in this life, it does not come from our own strength, our own intelligence, our own talents, our own prowess over certain areas, our own ability to self-will things into existence. It always will come from our ability to wholly follow after the Lord, relying on him for all things. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? Uh, that we are to burn the chariots. We are not to rely on the chariots. We are to hamstring the horses. We are not to rely on the horses as far as the battles that we face that are before us. Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Not by might nor by power, but my, my spirit says the Lord God of hosts. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, what does it say? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Caleb's boldness, it had to come from somewhere. He was the epitome of standing alone. Standing alone when everyone else is saying, you're wrong. Standing alone when everyone else is saying, I don't agree with you. Standing alone when people are saying, you are completely out of your mind. And may that be us. In Numbers, he states, let's go up at once and occupy the land for we are well able to overcome it. That land is full of giants. That land is full of fortified cities. Are you crazy, Caleb? And now he's saying, give me my mountain to climb and my giants to conquer? He's 85 years old. And may we find ourselves with this same type of boldness, with this same type of conviction 
to stand alone when no one else is. And is that not a challenge in this day and age? Many of us, whether it be in the workplace, whether it comes with our communication with others, whether it comes with relationships or families, we have had to stand alone against this depraved culture, this depraved generation, cutting against the grain, swimming against the current, giving the minority report, standing firm in Christ. That is where we need to find ourselves. Caleb here was standing alone in God. Give me my mountain to climb. Give me my giants to conquer. When people say, you don't actually believe what's written in that 2,000-year-old book of antiquities, do you? I mean, you're so close-minded. Don't you know that that's just a bunch of hogwash? We not only say, I believe what's in that word, but I build my life around it. And that's where we're supposed to stand. It is through holy following after the Lord that you will be able to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. That you will be able to fight against our flesh, turn away from sin, destroy the strongholds made by taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Christian, be encouraged. If you hear one thing today, by holy following after the Lord, the more you will find By doing this, the more you will find a wellspring, a wellspring of boldness to be that Caleb type of Christian. Follow after him wholeheartedly, regardless of what people think, say, or do against you. We we need to be obedient to the Lord, and that is where your boldness will be flourishing at. That is where you will see that boldness in Christ strengthened. I mean, you've got to love this guy, Caleb. Boldness found through devotion. Confidence found through commitment. Steadfast over the course of decades and now at the age of 85 years old. What is he saying? He's saying, you know what? I'm going down swinging. I am not going to waste these last years of my life. This is how I'm going to meet the Lord. This is how I'm going out. By doing the faithful work of he who has called me. You know, Caleb could have said this. He could have said, Joshua, you know I've been here this whole time. Now give me what I'm owed. Give me my palatial estate, right, with many servants down by the water. You know, give me that jetted hot, hot tub, you know, the 10-person one. That's what I want. I'm just going to, like, kind of phase out, all right? Sorry, I didn't mean to offend that. We used to have a hot tub once, so sorry for that. But... But he's saying like, hey, I don't want a life of comfort and ease here. I don't want to just take it easy. I'm 85. What do he ask for here? He asks for war. He asks for war. This is crazy. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country. Give me my mountain of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. And it may be that the Lord will once again, it may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Look at that kind of boldness 
Those are powerful verses, 85 years old. And we're not talking about the lifespan of Methuselah, who lived to be 869 years old. The the maximum lifespan had come down where it isn't too far off from where we're at in modern day times, maybe a little bit longer. Because what do we remember from Joshua 13? That Joshua was around 90 to 100 years of age. And uh, what did the Lord so graciously tell him? You know, he, he said, I am old and advanced in years. And the Lord said, Joshua, you are old and advanced in years. So, so we know with Caleb being 85 years old, he's no spring chicken, okay? He didn't have some Captain America super serum either. So, so even though he said, my strength is now as it was then, he had undoubtedly endured so much. 40 years in the wilderness, as you could see, is a man of war, countless battles and skirmishes all the while. So regardless of how much physical strength Caleb had or did not have, his primary resilience undoubtedly is his inner strength, his inner self. Caleb's inner self was being renewed day by day. His inner self was being renewed day by day. And when we look around at Redeemer Church, if you've been with us, Travis made that joke a little bit earlier. Well, it's probably going to be a problem here in a little bit because we've had a little bit of a baby boom here at Redeemer Church. And so we've had eight kids born over the last six months, and that should cause many of us to gasp, right? And so we've got a lot of little butterballs running around out there, okay? And so, and then we've got a, a lot of gals at our church that aren't too far behind, and I think it's awesome. How amazing uh, to be able to look at everything that the Lord is doing. It's just another way that the Lord builds his church, right? Just through childbirth. (laughs) But what an amazing blessing. What an amazing blessing that we have here at Redeemer with uh, the birth of all these amazing children, bringing them up and raising them up in the way of the Lord. But I also want to say this. There is another amazing blessing that we have here at Redeemer. And I'm not going to you know, just be as blunt or, I mean, hurtful, I'd say, that the Lord was with Joshua. I'm not going to say you're old and advanced in years. Let's just use this word distinguished. How's that sound? Is distinguished good? A word that we could all live with? Let's just say older than me, all right? But I would say what an amazing blessing. So much wisdom, so much experience, so much spiritual maturity, so much encouragement, so many things to glean from. And I would say, may we always be a church that rejoices in being a multi-generational church. And I don't know what the cutoff is for tattoos, but I can tell you this, if I make it to 85 and I'm still around and kicking a little bit, I'm going to get Joshua 1411 tattooed on me somewhere. And it's going to say, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Amen? (laughs) Because I personally have been blessed by many of the Caleb's in this room. And it's been nothing short of amazing. I love this verse, Psalm 71, 18. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. And I think of a, a couple people. I could, think of, I could rattle off a bunch of individuals, but two come to my mind. And one of those is my friend Jim. He and his wife Karen work out in, at the uh, coffee table out there in the lobby. And Jim's a Caleb. And, and I've known Jim for quite a while. And, uh, 
You know, Jim isn't afraid to get up in my craw and say, hey, you know what the Lord said. <laughs> and, and I love it. Because I think it's so important to have individuals who have much more wisdom than I do, that have much more experience in, in, in years of life to be able to say, hey, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about the direction of the church regarding that? And I just want to say, yeah, it's important. I mean, if we're up here, Travis or I, or whoever else is preaching, and you hear something that you don't like or is going against what we find in God's word or, or you feel like the direction of the church is not going in a good way, I would just tell you, I want to hear about it. We want to hear about it, okay? As long as you're a member, that is, okay? If you're a member, you can go ahead and... That's a shameless plug for membership, all right? August 5th, or October 15th. Just kidding, just kidding. But... How important is it to have individuals that are mature, seasoned, distinguished followers of Christ that are there to be able to give something that's important to say? And so, let me tell you one more thing about Jim Caleb Seminoff. <laughs> he's 79 years old. In a couple weeks, September 30th, he's going to be 80. And you know what Jim does about four to six times a week? He does this. He water skis. <laughs> So how about that, folks, right? And we were just talking to a guy after service, like water skiing, when you get older, is just painful, okay? I mean, like your forearms hurt, your back, your hamstrings, and he's still doing it. He's still kicking. He's still skiing. He's still making his wife Karen a ski widow, okay? Four to five times a week, but God love Jim. And one more. This is my friend Pam. Now, Pam may be in the earlier side of this age demographic of distinguished, whatever we're referring to it as, but, but let me tell you this. This past year has been, I would probably say, the most challenging year for, for Pam. And she's had some uphill health challenges. But what I've been able to see is just this resilience. Faithfully, in the midst of all of it, she could have just said, hey, peace out which would be totally fine. But she still faithfully serves each and every week. Greeting, info, uh, and then, uh, you know, faithfully attending devoted each and every week. And, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all the gyms, all the Pams, all the individuals out there that understand what it means in First Peter that we are to be living stones that build up the house of God. And that's why we spent some time just celebrating last week. Thank you, guys. Thank you to all those individuals. Thank you to all the Caleb's that we have at our church. So, again, we don't know if Caleb truly was the same as he was at 40. But we do know this. His devotion, his reliance, him saying, God, my outer self may be wasting away but my inner self is being renewed day by day. And I am as strong today as I was back when Moses sent me. This light momentary affliction is preparing me for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. I'm not going to fade out. I'm going to go down swinging the last you're going to see of me in this life is me running after some giants, running up a mountain. Give me that hill country. Give me my mountain. 
I've got some more work to do on this short, vapor-like life that I have here. I'm going to drive out those giants from the land. And Caleb is saying to all the people of Israel at this point, are you with me? Are you with me? Because we see later in chapter 15 that Caleb did everything that he set out to do. Because there is this city, Kiryat Erba. Erba, as we see from our passage today, was the greatest man of the Anakim. His son, Arba's son, Anak, is from where we see Anakim derived from. The whole race was named after Anak. And Anak had three sons. And it was these three sons that Caleb ran out of town, whose grandfather was the city in whom it was named after, whose father was who the whole race was named after, these individuals being the descendants of the Nephilim, these individuals being who Goliath of Gath derived and hailed from. So it wasn't like he was handling some outer skirmishes here. Caleb went into the heart of the enemy. At 85 years old, he said, I'm going to war, and I'm going to war with the worst. And what does he do? After he defeats a city, he goes after another city, the city of Dever, and he throws out a charge to all the people. And he says, whoever takes this city can have my daughter's hand in marriage. And so this fellow by the name of Othniel, who later becomes a judge in the book of Judges, he answers this call. And he says, Caleb, yes, I am now going to do what you have charged all of us to do. And I'm going to be the individual that takes this mantle and wins your daughter's hand in marriage. And so Othniel does this, okay. The only thing is that Othniel was Caleb's nephew, okay. So Caleb's nephew, Caleb's daughter, and folks, that's what you call kissing cousins, okay. So let's just move on from that. But what we can see here. What we could see here, in summary, Caleb asked for the challenge. He took the challenge. He defeated the Anakim and he took the land that was promised to him. And we would arrive that this was true because later we see, we see um, David residing here at the capital of Judah, Hebron. And we see in, in our passage today, therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Yephunneh, the Kinezite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name Hebron formerly was Kiriath Erba. Erba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. But later we see David residing in Hebron, which became the capital of Judah, and he remained there for seven and a half years until he moved the capital to Jerusalem. So we see that indeed Caleb did take the city and brought it under Israeli rule and maintained it. So all these years, all these years, Caleb, he's now 85, 45 years from the time that Moses spoke to him, unwavering, holding fast to the promise that the Lord gave to him through Moses. We see him still standing firm with this boldness that is established out of this holy following after God. And with 45 years, what we also see is this. We see through his patience, we see the confidence 
of Caleb. And confidence in what? Caleb was confident that the Lord would not forget him. He was confident that the Lord would not forget him. Caleb had witnessed the mighty hand of God move time and time again. He knew that when the Lord made a promise that he would make good on it. But let's be honest here. 45 years is a long time. I mean, like I get impatient when I have to wait 45 minutes for things, right? 45 years, think of that. Waiting all that time, and there undoubtedly were some days that Caleb was probably saying, Lord, when is this going to happen? When are you going to deliver me? And many of us find ourselves there at times throughout life. Many of us find ourselves there even today. We might be saying, Lord, when are you going to deliver me out of this lowland? When are you going to deliver me out of this valley? When are you going to allow me to have that mountain that you promised 45 years ago? And it could be hard. Especially when there's a lot of time that passes. Things look a lot different. Maybe things are fading a little bit. I'm not able to do the things that I was able to do back then in the same way. Maybe things aren't quite as sharp. You know, we live in this fallen world, right? There will be sickness. There will be health. There will be uphill challenges. There will be sin. There will be things that we have to endure through. There will be trials and tribulations in this life. And you might say, at times, where we've all been, Lord, how long will you have me here? And I would say this, no. No. I, you, we, just like Caleb, will maintain our confidence. Our confidence in the promises of God that he will not forget his faithful servant. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. And don't you forget that. Don't you forget that, church. That God is faithful. That he does not forget about his faithful servants. His steadfast love shall not depart from you. The covenant which has been made shall not be removed. Whether he takes us home on that day that he sees fit, or whether we stand here and sustain until he returns, whatever the case may be, we stand firm in Jesus Christ. We hold fast to the greatest inheritance, the greatest possession, the greatest gift that we could have, which is himself. Regardless if there is a mountain to climb before us, regardless if we are to endure through this trial and tribulation as long as he sees fit, we don't forget about the promises of God. And one of those promises is that he does not forget about his people. 
One day he will bring us into his eternal glory for all of eternity. And this life will just be a faint, distant memory that has already faded away. And we're in the midst of the eternal glory of our Lord God and creator of the universe. And on that day, we will look back at all of these light, temporary, momentary afflictions. And we will just bask in the eternal glory that the Lord has given us. So when we arrive at these places, may we stand firm in the boldness that comes from wholly following after God. May we recognize and realize that though our outer self may be wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And may we hold fast to this confidence that what the Lord has promised will come to pass and he does not forget about his faithful servant. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in your word there could be certain ends of the spectrum, Lord. God, for some of us, we're saying there is a mountain to climb before us. Lord, there are giants to conquer. And Lord, may we have the boldness to step into that wholeheartedly. Lord, I will be obedient to what you have called me regardless of what you have called me to. And God, may we glean from this that the Lord isn't done with you. The Lord isn't done with us. There are still many mountains to climb. God, but also, I just want to say Sometimes there's a different side of the coin. Lord, we believe in these promises, but Lord, it seems like it's been so long. God, I would pray that we would all lean into the reality. It's not some fabricated fairy tale land, Lord, but the reality that we have an eternal kingdom waiting for us. And God, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Until you call us home, there is much work to be done. So Lord, may we step into that, whatever you've called us to step into, to your glory and to your glory alone. We ask these things.